Hello everyone, welcome to episode 3 of the Good Faith Idea Exchange. For today's episode, I sit down with Tyrone Smith. And Mr. Smith is the Director of Employment and Housing for Operation Stand Down. Now Operation Stand Down assists veterans with housing and employment opportunities. So if you're currently transitioning out of the military back into civilian life, or even if you've been out of the military for quite a while now, there's going to be some very good information, some very important information in this interview. So I think at this point, everyone should have a pretty good grasp of the layout of the show. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Um, well, first, I just wanted to ask, um, so what do you, you know, what do you usually do um, for Operation Stand Down? And what is Operation Stand Down's, you know, primary mission? Yeah, I mean, so I'll answer the second one first. I mean, our, our mission is to serve the veteran population in Rhode Island in southeastern Massachusetts, um, not just the veteran population, but the, the family uh, of those veterans as well. So um, how do we serve those veterans? We do it a variety of different ways. Uh, we own and operate 88 units of housing. It's a mix of transitional uh, GPD and permanent housing that we own and operate. We have the only female housing in the state um, and we have the only recovery housing for veterans only in the state. We have a legal program. We can help veterans with legal assistance, uh, service connected disabilities, appeals process through the VA. We can, we can help individuals uh, through that process. Uh, we have an employment and training program, so we can help individuals who need employment, they need jobs, and, or maybe they're, uh, they're working on um, you know, workforce development. Maybe they're going to school. Maybe they need to go to a school or, or obtain a certain license um, for their job, and we can help them through our employment and training program. Uh, the other thing we do is um, financial assistance uh, to keep veterans and their families housed. So individuals who may be behind on rent um, or they're moving into a new um, apartment, uh, we, can, we can help pay security or first month's rent. We can pay up to six months rent. Wow. So that's what we do, it's a lot. We do a lot of outreach. We have um, some very, very large events every year. Uh, during a traditional year, um, we see you know thousands, um, over a thousand veterans in one weekend for our stand down weekend, our annual stand down weekend in Cumberland. And that's a one-stop shop where veterans can come and uh, they can sleep overnight. They can eat there. They can get um, assistance from the VA in the form of dental assistance, medical assistance, Rhode Island judiciary is there to help veterans um, and a variety of service providers. Everybody who helps veterans in the state um, comes to that event to support our veteran community. Um, and then we do something called Boots on the Ground, which is a moving memorial. It's been at Fort Adams the last two years, and that is almost 7,000 boots in formation uh, representing those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice since 9-11. So that's what we do. Um, and I think the second question you asked is, what do I do day to day? And I, I manage the employment and training program. Um, that is a, a mix of federal 
and state money slash programs. And I, I oversee and I manage the housing that we have here at Operation Stand Down, the 88 units across the state. That's fantastic. So, you know, this is Operation Stand Down Rhode Island. Um, so I, I guess there are other Operation Stand Downs in other, in other states in, around the country or? Yeah, so common question. Hmm. Common question uh, that we get quite a bit. So okay. I used to say no, there's no Operation Stand Downs anywhere else. So there's two answers to the question. So uh, we have the SSVF grant, which is a federal grant from the government, and that's that housing assistance, uh, rental assistance. We can pay rent in arrears or security deposit to keep veterans and their families from being homeless. And a part of that program is a requirement to run what the federal government calls as a stand-down weekend. So almost 30 years ago, when we first started, our president and founder um, ran a stand-down weekend because um, we had access to that grant almost 30 years ago. And so we've called ourselves Operation Stand Down Rhode Island ever since. So there's not one in every state. However, I was in Tennessee last year after um, the person in line, after, after the game, we went to go get ice cream. The person in line in front of me had an Operation Stand Down Tennessee, and it was a veteran-themed shirt. So I had that conversation with them. Okay. But I think I've since Googled it, and, and they're the only other ones, but we're not affiliated or connected. Uh, we, we share the same federal grant. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, um, you know, <laughs> what you guys are doing is, is really amazing. Um, just from Thank what you. you just from, yeah, just from what you just named. I didn't even know about all of that. That's, imp that's impressive. Um, Thank you. So I'm just wondering, um, what would you, so what are some of the big, what are some of the biggest challenges um, that you would say facing uh, transitioning veterans in Rhode Island right now? Well, so it's, it's a series of things. I mean, we talked um, previous to this and we're, you know, we're both veterans who have had to transition ourselves. And, um, you know, it's a little bit like somebody saying, hey, Tyrone, or Tyrones, since that's our first name, <laughs> how, how, what specific thing was the issue that you were dealing with when you transitioned? It's really hard to pin that down. And in some, for some veterans, you know, they may be dealing with several small issues. Um, and as you know, some veterans are dealing with one significant one, maybe several other smaller issues, or maybe none at all. I think that we're all at different stages of transitioning to include the civilian population, but specifically to veterans and the veterans we serve. I mean, we're always trying to fill the gaps, to identify and fill the gaps with, you know, the veterans that come to us. What are the services they need? So, I mean, number one is homelessness and, um, well, actually, it would probably be VA healthcare. Or, or getting the health care that they need for, for, their, for any mental issues that they may be having. And then comes housing and employment. And really, that's like 1A, B, and C. Um, they're right up there together. Right. Yeah, that, um, those were definitely important things for me as I was transitioning. Um, yeah. You know, for, for me, honestly, you know, just to be a little candid, um, one of the things that, that really helped me was was i guess for one 
I started planning and I started making a plan originally about a year out before um, before it was, it was my time to um, to separate. But as things got closer, still I one of the most important things for me was I reached out and um, I was able to get help and get assistance from different, um, you know, from certain groups that supported veterans, like in, in this case, in this, in this, in this state, uh, you know, Operation Stand Down Rhode Island, things like that um, are absolutely invaluable. And, you know, even though I had, even though I had tra- tried to have like the perfect plan set, um, I still needed help, you know, so this is an important resource. So what would you say, um, how would you say the housing system in the state of Rhode Island factors into this? Like, would you say, you know, things become a little more difficult for, for veterans in the state with the housing system itself? Or how, how, would you, how would you say the housing system affects this? So good question. I'll just go back since you were candid about your story. Um, I was completely different. So um, I didn't really have a plan. I just knew that, you know, I wanted to transition out. wasn't quite sure if I was going to go to school. Kind of figured I had a plan to to be a law enforcement officer. I wasn't familiar with the area. Met my uh, wife while I was in service and was deployed and ended up coming back to, you know, the Northeast. And I grew up in the South. So the transition for me, I, I didn't have the significant issues that some other veterans have. but I could I could tell that I wasn't far from it, you know, if, if there were situations where there were, um, you know, I think we at that point in time, I was close to homelessness. Um, I had a house, but, you know, you're always a few steps away from some trouble and, and needing assistance. And oftentimes we get those veterans who have, you know, uh, didn't prepare like myself and don't realize that they're one or two steps away from, you know, being homeless or uh, struggling with some legal assistance or needing a job. And then, you know, that's where we find, uh, a lot, unfortunately, a lot of our clientele in that moment of need. So to answer your question about housing in Rhode Island um, for veterans. So I think there could always be more. I and mean, that's the short answer, right? So if you had more housing, you, you, you can house more veterans. You know, COVID is, 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 is a unique circumstance because I think people are, are staying uh, where they're at. Um, they're not being evicted like they were before. So they're not coming to us uh, as much as they were before COVID for that uh, financial assistance to keep from being evicted. Rather, they're just hunkering down. We, we have 88 units. I can tell you from our perspective, again, we have 88 units in the state, variety of, of types of housing, and we stay full. You know, if, if we have an opening, it fills relatively quickly, and we work closely with the shelters. We work closely with other uh, GPD programs and other facilities that, that house veterans and civilians as well, um, you know, and, and they stay full. So um, could always use more um, low-income housing. For sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Understood. All right. Well, what would you say are some of the, um, what would you say are some of the key initiatives underway to, you know, to try and combat these issues, Um, you know, particularly combating homelessness, employment opportunities, that sort of thing. 
Yeah, so um, I can tell you from the federal perspective, um, we, we work closely with our partners at the Providence VA Medical Center. Um, and Tyrone, I'm not sure if you use the VA. Uh, I do. Um, yeah, I have. And you do or you have? I have. Okay. So I can tell you when I got back in 2008, 2009, uh, is a lot different than it, than it is now. A lot more progressive now. Um, it's easier to see your provider than it was before. It's easier to schedule an appointment. And this is just my opinion. Okay. So on the healthcare side, I think it's a little bit easier. I think they recognize that. I, I know they recognize that brain injuries and tra traumatic and, and mental disorders are, um, you know, uh, affect a large population of returning veterans. So I would say that they've done a lot and they have the money for uh, to do more. The legislation that I know that the federal government's working on, um, even the PTSD clinic is relatively new compared to when I first got here. I mean, you may talk to, you know, a, a doctor at the VA and if you wanted to see somebody else, your options were limited. So I think it starts there. Like I said, you know, healthcare is 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 one A. Housing, uh, there's always. I, ju I was just uh, engaging with a company who is trying to build low-income housing uh, in the Providence area, and they're going to dedicate, you know, 14 of their units to veterans um, nice. when, when that is when that's built, and that's that should be finished in about two years from now. So, and then you know, with, with COVID, COVID nineteen has forced you know, in a, in a good way, our, our Congress to push forward some important legislation that's going to assist veterans long-term. Even though we don't see the numbers now, um, there will be a point in time where everybody is removing their masks, hopefully, um, removing their masks, hopefully sooner rather than later. And they're engaging and looking for jobs and looking for places, uh, you know, for assistance for their housing. But I do know that from what we're seeing, um, there is some. There's more money in the budget to help veterans with their employment, to eliminate barriers, um, variety of barriers, whatever that may be. Um, there's money there for, that the federal government is providing uh, for veterans, specifically for veterans. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. That actually um, that actually led into my next question. Um, I was going to ask how. Um, how COVID has changed things in terms of problems or issues facing um, um, in and of itself, but, um, you know, also how COVID has affected, you know, initiatives that may have previously been in place. From what you've said so far, it sounds like it hasn't, you know, been such a, such a negative impact. No, I, so it has been, um, you know, COVID's impacted us all. And what I think is happening now um, is, and, and this is, you know, from my opinion only, but I think people are staying home. Um, yeah, right. They are collecting unemployment. They're individuals who need to pay their rent, probably aren't paying their rent right now because they know that being evicted uh, may not be a realistic option right now as we speak. Um, and so it's, it's harder to be evicted. The, you know, so there are, you know, some, there's, I, I went to the VA for my primary care appointment the other day and I talked to my doctor. Um, she said they see 
traffic, the, the patient traffic has significantly declined and they've done some things to do that at the VA to make sure people are socially distanced and it's just not easy to walk in like it was before. But I mean, they're not getting the calls from the veterans like they were before for checkups and things like this. So I think that people are kind of staying away, um, you know, and, and may not be as proactive um, worrying about their mental mindset or mental makeup. Um, and they may be work, worrying about it, but they're not on top of it as like they were before. So like housing, employment, um, we're getting clients for sure who need assistance in those areas. But it's a lot different than it was before. Before COVID, I mean, there there would be several people uh, in the office as, as soon as we open. But within the first hour, we'd have several clients in the building. And now they kind of drip through throughout the day. So I, you get that sense that people are staying home. People are scared. They're they're taking the precautions they need to um, and, and using the benefits that they can to make sure that they they stay healthy. Um, but what I'm saying is on the other side of that, I would predict a surge where you have lots of people who need assistance relatively quickly. And the federal government has identified uh, that as a possibility um, and, and provided us the assistance to be able to help veterans when that happens. Gotcha. Yeah. I, um, to clarify, I wasn't necessarily insinuating that, um, you know, things haven't been that bad with COVID. I, I guess yeah. I was more trying to say it hasn't been all bad, you know? Yeah. But, no, not, not all bad, but I think it's important we put positive spin on things too. You know, there's, there's, um, we got to keep our heads up and stay positive. Right. Right. Well, how much has um, COVID uh, changed your job in particular? Uh, other than social distancing, other than being mindful of my health, the staff uh, here at OSDRI, their health and our clients who come in and, and we engage with, other than being mindful of those, um, you know, the, the social distancing measures um, due to the pandemic, nothing. Okay. I mean, I come in daily to make sure that, um, you know, veterans who need employment, veterans who are ready to speak and engage with us, come into the office. Um, we will don face masks, put gloves on and, and do some paperwork and make sure that their resumes are squared away. If they're looking for housing, we will do all the appropriate paperwork there. I mean, we're engaging in the veteran population. Up until last week, we were at the VA with our mobile outreach bus you know, right beside Trailer 37, which is the homeless clinic, engaging with the veteran population as soon as they come out of the homeless clinic. Um, we have coffee and some and some snacks, and, and we can talk about, you know, how we can assist you, um, you know, in, in your housing or your employment or your legal needs. So um, we're, the, the foot is on the pedal here, and it, it has not come off, for sure. Okay. Um, this may be actually just think of one thing real quick. Um, what would you say is the age range of many of the people you deal with? Would you say you're more often dealing with younger veterans or more older veterans, or is it a, a little bit of everything? So I think over the years, we, we're now serving predominantly, um, 9-11 vets. Okay. So, um, we see less and less Vietnam veterans um, and it is the 9-11 uh, age range of veterans that we're seeing. Gotcha. I, I totally understand that. Um, yeah. 
Well, um, one, one other thing I was just wondering is, um, what, um, is there anything that people can do to support Operation Stand Down? Is there anything that the average, the average Joe can do to, you know, possibly support and assist uh, what you guys are doing? Absolutely. So, I mean, look, we're a nonprofit. You know, we rely 100% on uh, federal, state funds, and the goodwill of, you know, Rhode Islanders and, and you know, folks over from Massachusetts and Connecticut who, who donate their time and goodwill. A uh, huge thing here is uh, food. We get a lot of food donations. We have a huge food pantry that, that the VA uses. Um, they will pack a bus full of clients um, or, or send caseworkers over to grab boxes of food for their veterans or clothing. Um, so we provide that resource. But yeah, so, you know, we ask, you know, Rhode Islanders and, and people who are near southeastern Massachusetts and folks close to us in Connecticut to donate food, uh, clothing, uh, this time of year, gift cards, um, especially during the holidays when, um, you know, we, we may not have toys or something like that. And a family comes, we want to be able to give them something significant uh, that they can take and provide some some toys for their kids. Uh, and then the other thing that we ask uh, people to donate is their time. So um, like I mentioned earlier, we have uh, two major events a year, Stand Down Weekend and Boots on the Ground. That is a uh, all hands on deck type operation. Okay. And I say operation because we literally almost have to close the office. Now, all the staffers, we get lots of volunteers from from uh, Home Depot and, and T-Mobile and Citizens Bank and Verizon and, and Lowe's to come out and really help set those sites up. And we even have middle schoolers come from Pawtucket, um, which is a great opportunity to see them come out and, and learn what's going on uh, at those different sites. So uh, there's several different ways you could donate. Uh, of course, you don't have to do all, but uh, very appreciated if, um, if, you, if you donate something, if you have a little extra to give, um, we're willing to take it and provide it to the veteran community who need it. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Um, all right. Well, um, that's pretty much everything that I had. Um, it's been really great talking to you and this has actually been really informative. Um, you know, I'm sure this will be informative to listeners, but, um, this has been really informative to me, just, um, everything that you guys are doing. Um, it's an incredible, it seems to be an incredible resource for veterans. Thank you. Uh, yeah, both uh, people who are transitioning, people who are still in and about to transition, and people who have long since transitioned. Um, yeah, and I think, I think you know, the thing there to think about, too, is we're always transitioning. Like, you know, it's not just, that's not limited to our population either. You know, that's, that's I mean people who graduate college are, are transitioning people, you know, people who retire from the police force, they're transitioning. And, you know, I have two kids, uh, a 17 year old and a seven year old and they're transitioning. So, yeah, I mean, I just think in general, we, we, we always need help along that, that process. And you and I, we, you know, we're well aware of the veteran community and, and what those folks need in their process. So. All right. So that concludes my interview with Tyrone Smith. Now, if you need to get in touch with him, you can reach him first by email. His address is Tyrone, T-Y-R-O-N-E, like my name, Smith, no spaces, at 
O is in Oscar, S is in Sierra, D is in Delta, R is in Romeo, I is in India, dot O-R-G. It's Tyrone Smith at O-S-D-R-I dot O-R-G. This information will also be contained in the, epi- in the episode notes, so feel free to um, just take a look there if you want to see it written out. Uh, Mr. Smith's uh, phone number is 401-383-4730. Next week, it's back to the conversations. I will be having a sit-down conversation with fellow veteran Tyler Kerrigan. We will be talking about the recent transition of power in the White House and what it means for us as a country, um, You know where we see ourselves now as a nation and where we see ourselves eight months from now or one year from now. Where, where do we see ourselves going from this point on? So we'll be touching on quite a few different things. Um, from social media and its its impact on the public, um, its impact on the election, you know, all the way to student loan forgiveness, you know, like we're going to be covering quite a few different things. But if you can make time for it, I hope to see you there.